the direct answer to your student's question about walking on water is you can say, well, there's a bunch of different reasons why oil does not have the property to stick to your shoes, right? So like oil would fall off. Welcome back to the next episode of Professional Development. My name is Jim Mayers, and I teach 11th grade English in Boston, Massachusetts. And my name is Brandon Piasegui, and I teach fifth grade science in Stockton, California. Check out today's episode where we talk about student excitement. How do you answer those burning questions that students have while keeping pace with your curriculum and everything you've got to get through in the school day? And if you want to hear a little bit about my parent life and how I'm balancing dad life and teacher life, stay tuned. Uh, Brandon, it's great to have you on. I know that you've had a busy, busy past few months with the addition to your new family, but congratulations and uh, thanks for making the time today to come back on and share some of your fifth grade science teacher wisdom, my friend. I love it. All right, Mr. Piasecki, good to have you back in the Zoom studio, my friend. It's good to be back, man. How you doing? It's been too long. Yeah. <laughs> doing well. Doing well. It has been a very, very busy year you know, yeah. but it's, but so much growth, like a ridiculous amount of growth in myself and my students, you know, and, and that's, that's, what's been really keeping me hungry, you know, for yeah. just like the daily grind. Cause you know, I'm, on a personal level for me, like it's, it's not only the job, but like adding a new baby and keeping up with like, you know, a toddler <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, is just that dynamic alone for me is just, you know, it's, it's made my, it, any teaching job would be challenging just based on the other things going on in my, in my family. Um, just learning how to navigate all those things, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been really, really fun to see my students, like from like thinking about how we were on day one diagnostic tests and like the first unit, like I was kind of figuring it all out, you know, and trying to get them to write like even a short paragraph was like, challenging but now i mean i'm like i mean obviously it varies between student and student but some students i'm like like going like like i'm seeing so much more they're giving me so much more than they were giving me Mm -hmm. um and across the board it's just you know i'm I'm getting the hang of it more (laughs) so that's great man that's uh, doing good 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 tired but good for for i know that we have a really massive audience who was uh really curious about your extended (laughs) absence but want to say here officially on the podcast <laughs> channel congratulations uh tell us about hey. your tell us about your new baby how's the that, that's oh, why brandon hasn't been uh for anyone listen that's why brandon's been a little bit yeah. uh missing from some of our interviews is because he just had a new baby he and his wife tori just had a new baby yeah oh she she's uh she's three months old now her name is bellamy james biaseki she's beautiful she's got a uh, you know bubbly personality she's like honestly like the sweetest baby like yeah um very very relaxed very chill like you know she's <laughs> she's she's amazing you know she's big she's going she's going a lot <laughs> how do so, you yeah she's doing well though she's healthy 
that's all we can ask for. Right. Right. How have you found that? How have you approached it? Just, it seems as someone who's not a parent yet and who's thinking about becoming a parent, like it seems really extremely overwhelming. Uh, and I obviously like, know <laughs> I know it can be done because you're a full-time teacher and a dad and Mark's a full-time teacher and a dad. I have friends who are full-time, but how do you approach it? Like, well, just walk me through not just your schedule, but I guess like, how do you keep <laughs> yourself grounded or deal with everything? So I think my experience is unique in that I became a dad, like literally as COVID started, like Langston, my, my, our firstborn was, was born on December 15th in 2019. Like, so we had a couple months of like pseudo normalcy, even though COVID was kind of starting and then like shutdown happened when he was three months old. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, like I, I bring that up because with that, it naturally forced me into like, literally I couldn't do anything else except be a parent. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and it really helped. And I think the best approach, you know, COVID or not, like the only way to really, I mean, for me at least, the only way I was going to be able to make it work, it was to just be able to say no to like many, many of the other things that I liked to do or like would have filled my time doing, um, you know, uh, before having it, before having kids. So I think COVID was a natural like grounding point for me. <laughs> like it kept me literally grounded in my home with my mm-hmm. family and like learning how to uh, you know, be a parent and a teacher at the same time. Um, and of course, you know, like it goes without saying, my wife has been amazing, uh, huge support. And like, it's a team effort. Like, uh, and I think like it would, I, I don't know, like how single parents do this juggling a job and kids, you know, I joke like, or talk about like, we don't know how we can do this alone. Like there's no way. So there's that, that aspect as well. Like having that support system also, um, like another like unique circumstance for me that's helped is we live in Stockton, which is my hometown and both of our parents still live there. So we mm. moved back unintentionally from, we were living a little farther away in a town called Tracy, about 30, 40 minutes away from Stockton. Um, and so moving back home was really, really like helpful, you know, and instrumental. And I think a lot of just ma- making it possible to do what I'm doing in, uh, in this new job, learning a new grade at a brand new school, as everything is reopening, like there, there's a lot going on. So yeah. Um, tips would be like, yeah, learn to say no to things, learn, learn to find whatever the, I guess our, our circumstances are more unique, you know, like being able to live where our parents live. But if that's not the case, where, who is your support system, you know, mm-hmm. find someone, it could be like friends, you know, like we have lots of parent, like parents, our age, friends of our age, mm-hmm. who have kids and you know, it's, you know, whatever kind of system you you have to support, like, all right, like, you know, get, get a night off, like we'd have the kids off. You just want to come hang out at our house while they sleep so we can have a night to ourselves, you know, yeah. to recoup. Um, you know, yeah. Um, and we've been blessed with good daycare as well. So I think if you're able to find all those pieces, it makes it easier. But yeah, <laughs> that, that's how I'm doing it. It's, it's wild though. It's, it's nonstop. Like life is nonstop. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Drink how lots is- of coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What what time do you go to bed? Nonstop. What time do you go to bed? What time do you wake up? Okay, schedule. Um, yeah. Ideally, and it, you know, with, with a newborn, it just kind of varies. Like yeah. like it, like I'd say very loosely, bedtime is between eleven, and honestly, like for for a couple months there, it was closer to midnight or one sometimes, mm-hmm. just because like you know, just depending, you know, 
it just depended on what, what Bella's feeding schedule was like. Now it's more of a schedule where it's like every, every four hours she's eating. So uh, we aim to be in bed around 11. Uh-huh. And it's usually between 11 and 12. And then I'm up at 5, 5.30. Um, and usually up once in the middle of the night to do a diaper change. And then, yeah. And then you got to get length in the daycare by about 6.45 because of our daycare's schedule. It's a real, it's like our cousin's small, like a real kind of small system thing. And um, she takes the kids to school. I got her lengths up before they leave. So uh-huh. I'm getting to, I'm getting up at, yeah, 5.30, 5 o'clock, trying to get him ready. Um, yeah. And then off work at four, come straight home, shower, and then pick him up. And then it's, you know, we have a little bit of time to hang out and then it's, yeah, do the bedtime routine. And then it's, yeah, like it just got, it's a cycle. And then it's like, all right, everything else that you couldn't do while the kids were awake, you do when right. they sleep, <laughs> you know, like all, all the prepping, all the meal planning, if there's any work I got to do for school, you know? So yeah, it's, it's a, and then we do it all over again. <laughs> <laughs> it is a nonstop grind, man, but it's, but it's great. You know, like I, I enjoy, like at, at school, it's fun. Like at school, it's great, you know? And, and that's like the majority of my day. And like when I'm even the little things, like you learn to appreciate the little things, like getting lights ready for bed and like giving him, like doing the bath time. Bath time's fun. You know what I mean? Like it's something right. you gotta do, but you make it fun. You know, dinner time, you make dinner time fun. You know, just like, you know, it's, it's that you make it, you make it a family affair and you, you enjoy those moments. So I think that's a key. Um, I think that's like, not just a parenting skill but a life skill like it's it can be yeah. very, it can be very very easy to be like like um not to not at all to compare my my dog to your human child but like you got to walk the dog right like yeah walk the dog every day and yes. there are and there are times when i'm just like oh i don't i just really don't want to do it and yeah. <laughs> there is like a mindset approach, right? Where it's like, I play games with Lucille. I'm intentional with the walks. I have treats and I, I'm using it purposely to train her and build a relationship yeah. with her. Um, and honestly, like that wasn't something that I was doing when I was living in Brooklyn or even in Arkansas and her behavior and, and her anxiety level has been way, way better. I think that's I, good. Yeah. And I think like, I don't have kids, but like that, I am, I have a dog and I have to take care of the dog. And yeah. like, it, we have I, a dog and I, I understand like going from no dog, no kids, no nothing to like, you know, marrying Tori and she had the dog like before me, of course. So I married into a dog family and yeah. that was an adjustment for me big time, man. I get that. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the larger point here is like, if you, even with if the same is true with teaching, there's a lot of stuff in the classroom that like could just be really annoying and not fun and you just just gotta do it um and the ability to frame your own mindset around that and like make things fun and find appreciate like appreciate little things and celebrate kids when they are growing and improving and like really authentically finding the joy in that is is something that i think is critical to like just i don't know just like staying alive uh staying (laughs) because like yeah how else are you gonna do it you can't you can't it's impossible and i think like uh, you you mentioned like how this translates into teaching i think you know one big area that i've grown in this year um, when it comes to my teaching practice is is grading (laughs) and like no 
I don't think any teacher like would ever go like be, be the only teacher gonna say the, the thing I love most about teaching is grading. Like, no one's ever gonna say that. And but for me, like it's always been a very challenging struggle to keep up with grades. I'm going this is my eleventh year, and like I don't think I've ever if you were to like you know I don't know, rate me or grade me on how like I'm doing as as far as keeping up my grades. I've, I've always been not not well at all. Like uh-huh. and, and this year is the first year that I think I've Partly because I'm being held to an expectation. It's a small staff. Like, you know, I'm getting check, check-ins very frequently with things like exit ticket grades, like tracking and stuff like that. And um, it's been done in a, I think they've done a really good job of having a high expectation but also supporting us and making sure that like, you know, it's not unrealistic and and it's not, I don't feel like they're like, like over demanding or anything like that at the same time. But they're holding me to the standard of like, all right, like we got an exit ticket. You know, like we got to track like how students are doing. And I, but what's been, uh, rewarding for me and a, like that little like oh what, what oh, I appreciate about grading well it's like the growth you know like I mentioned uh-huh. like I I have not really um I mean I have of course like you, you definitely get you gain data every time you teach a lesson usually like at the very least qualitative like generally generally speaking how how was the vibe how are the kids doing like how do they do like answering questions you asked as you taught the lesson but this year I've done a deeper dive into like okay using tools like I mean Obviously, this is a tool that I don't know everyone has, has access to, but using tools like Illuminate um, mm-hmm. to look at, all right, what standards are they mastering? Okay, they mastered this one, they didn't master this one, and then like, how can I reteach it to hit this standard better? Like, you know, after after this first round of testing and stuff. So, yeah, it, it's I think it's yeah, it's been really great. So that that idea of appreciating even like the more mundane things, like all right, like I don't like the grading experience, like every minute of it, but I, like the bigger picture is like there, uh-huh. there's 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 value in it there's you know the excitement of seeing students okay th- their writing is so much better now than it was in quarter one so yeah i hear you how do you what i think this is a pretty salient point especially because you know marcus and i marcus and i talked a little bit about grading recently and sort of our grading practice because as english teachers we have tons of essays and yeah, like overwhelming when you get a stack of essays and you're just like, I don't want to read this three, these 300 pages. Right. Like, um, I don't know how y'all do it, man. <laughs> quickly. How you guys very, <laughs> very quickly. Um, what the question that I was kind of thinking about was just how has your approach to grading changed? Like when you sit, when you, get around if exit tickets what's it look like to grade that how do you stay organized to grade as accurately and as efficiently as possible because like the thing that i think i still struggle with is you can't just giving a student a low grade is not going to make them change necessarily right so no. how do you, how do you approach grading in a way that you think students are internalizing the grading as feedback and and making improvements in their work the most effective ways i've done that i've always been exiting it like retakes or corrections you Mm -hmm. know like actually like taking the time to look at an assignment and say all right like like look at look at what the question says let's review the question together as a class and then giving them time the pen or something else to like either make correction or rewrite the answer completely um that has been the most valuable form of feedback through like a grade that i think i've done this year i 
I, I have not done that enough. Um, then again, like I, it's also like, I don't know how I'm still learning how to make that more of a consistent practice because of all of the content that I need to cover as well. Right. Um, but it, it, like, I think what, what naturally happens though, more often is I get that feedback and will use their, what, the, what they give me, of course, to reteach or, or tweak the next lesson or uh, the next like couple lessons just to make sure that they get whatever they didn't understand and that exit ticket. But the most, yeah, I think the most valuable, um, like, like true value is when they can take what what the grade is and like i try to write comments little quick comments on there more so for me if they have a question like mr p what does it say okay i, I meant like let's talk about this a little bit more when i get that, that time to correct uh, whatever we're correcting i think like that's the most um valuable you know that that's when they're going to see the most growth because they have that time to like like learn from their mistakes that that's that's what i think is so often missed you know yeah. like you get this one shot oh i didn't swallow on the sign all right next one but like learning from that mistake is is key yeah i i've i think i've really been I, and for whatever reason it's been post pandemic as well but like i've really been coming back to seeing i don't know just like a renewed sense of revision in student writing yeah, um, yeah. like handing the kids the essay back graded and saying to them because a lot of times for my class they have to handwrite their essays nice. uh, at first and I hand them back their handwritten essays graded ideally if I'm on top yeah of <laughs> I hear that, that that's my thing <laughs> this is an ideal world the essays are back hand it back to them you got the grade on them you know your score the grades posted in power school. Mm -hmm. Oh, by the way, if you want to improve that score today and tomorrow, what we're going to be doing in class is you're going to be typing up your, you're going to be typing up from scratch, the handwritten essay that you already just got back and you have two days to improve your writing. And I'm going to be doing some show calls and lessons and pointing out workshop like strengths or weaknesses and things you got to do. That's a very empowering thing I've found. And I've done it twice yeah. this year with different essay cycles. And I've that's seen amazing. tremendous, tremendous growth. And I think it's like, I think that's like, honestly, the big, a big thing for me yeah. in humanities instruction is just basically cutting the amount of cutting out the amount of like new essay assessments that I'm going after and yeah. replacing, it, replacing it with well, you're still assessing these standards, but now you're giving the students an opportunity to revise work they've already done. That's much, I found that to be much more empowering for students. And, and that's the thing that makes them a better writer. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love that. And for me, I think, it's, it's not exactly the same. It's not like taking the same essay assignment, having them read it multiple times, just because in fifth grade, like they're, you know, they're not writing like full on essays. Yeah. I mean, I get in English, they're probably getting, they're kind of starting that a little bit, but in science, I've been really focusing on like claim evidence reasoning, the cycle, like CER, like yep. paragraphs. And since day one. And so it's a more of like, okay, like almost every exit ticket will have an opportunity to show me claim evidence reasoning and so i think mm -hmm. just like that like consistency like of every, every time it's like a 
a short answer question, we have this kind of process of, of explaining your answer. Like, all right, what's your claim? What do you think the answer is? All right, what's, where's the evidence coming from? Where can we look in the lesson to find that, that evidence? And how can you explain it more in reasoning? That, I th it's, it sounds similar to kind of what you're saying. Like, all right, like, throughout this whole unit, like, let's, let's keep practicing, even though it's like, it might be a different lesson. Like, so what's that, what's your claim for this? What's your evidence, what's your reasoning? And practicing that process, and then feedback on that. That's where I've seen the most growth um, in my students' like performances this year has been in that. So yeah. pretty awesome, man. What's um? Tell me a little bit about the transition down to fifth grade. What what grade were you teaching before? Tenth grade mostly. Yeah, uh -huh. um, I've taught I taught everything from sixth through twelfth. But every like chemistry was my main gig. Tenth grade um, general chemistry. So uh -huh. yeah, man, it was a big jump. <laughs> I'm a sure. Big jump. Yeah. So I, I think I mean at the same time, like I, I kind of knew a little bit, like. Um, kind of a little bit what to expect because I had some experience in college working with that age um I think the difference is in college it was like an after school program and it was more just like all right like let's just have fun you know like playing games keeping the kids entertained and teaching like science is a little bit different a ball game you know like obviously we still have fun with labs and hands-on activities and all that stuff but uh just trying to man, trying to like make sure uh to keep the lesson moving keep the attention all that it's 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 much harder it's sharp in my skills as a teacher like it's, mm -hmm. it's, I think fifth grade I mean it, I think it's one of those things like I, well, I was doing fine as a 10th grade teacher, but like if I had kind of learned even for a couple of years, like some of the skills of like attention getters and just like um, pacing, um, you know, um, I think I, I think I let lessons drag. I think I just kind of like, uh, I think I also just, I, 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 I found it just easier to um, just to wing it <laughs> when I was teaching 10th grade because it's easier to do uh, with, with students of that age. Mm -hmm. And it's really sharp my skills as far as preparation goes, really making sure my lesson plans are dialed in, um, explicit instructions, like, you know. <laughs> uh -huh. I know there's been times where like, I've been able to kind of hack through a lab in 10th grade that I was like, yeah, you know, it didn't go as well, but like we got through it. And I know if I just like sharpen my skills of like explicit instructions and like how to navigate like through the lab space and like, um, you know, how, how to uh, use the, the materials like more, more explicitly, more clearly, I think, you know, it would have more better, better outcomes. So with fifth grade, it is really a unique, like literally just to get through a class, you have to give them very specific, explicit instructions. Right. <laughs> the, honestly, some overlap between that and toddler parenting, honestly. <laughs> like, yeah. It's funny. Uh, I noticed uh, I see some parallels between like the phrasing that I, I have for both my son and like my students. Like I'm like, all right, but like it's, it's my life right now. But mm -hmm. that, that, those are big points that come to mind when it comes to transitions, like differences. So yeah, but like it's, things that I love that are just a little bit, you know, um, like kind of nice changes and shifts. Like the energy is is awesome. Like the fifth graders, when they get excited, like when they're uh -huh. stoked, my God, it's just so fun, you know? And like, I'm uh -huh. not saying high schools don't get that. Like, of course they do. But like, it, you're never going to get the same level it's of less. excitement. Yeah. You're never going to get it like in a, in a high school <laughs> class. It's just different, different personalities. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there, there's, there's always, there's been moments in all my classes where there's just like, this sheer like curiosity like just explosion of ideas and questions like about all kinds of stuff you know like from dinosaurs to black holes to you know where like where does the ocean water come from like you know and like we're learning about the water cycle now and there's all these kind of questions that come up and so that is something that I've really enjoyed I, I that was what I was anticipating that I would enjoy because I'm a very enthusiastic excitable person <laughs> mm -hmm. but uh it's 
yeah, that, that, that truly has been, I was right. Like that truly has been something that I've enjoyed a lot. So that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like, uh, I feel like I'm really suited for 11th grade English and that you're really suited for fifth grade science. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's great. It's an adjustment, but I know like thinking about this from like a first year teacher standpoint, uh, my, my first, the first quarter of this year was so rough. It was mm-hmm. so challenging. Like it, I likened it my, to my first year teaching. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was hard. Cause I mean, I was experiencing challenges similar to every other teacher across the country. Uh, yeah. The um, social, like developmental, like setbacks of being quarantined for a year mm-hmm. on top of a new grade, new school, um, new subject, all that stuff. But like the more the year has gone on, like I mentioned all the growth that I've seen and, you know, I've been getting a lot better too. I know that like next year is going to be solid and like, it's just going to build from there. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm excited for the years, years to come. And, um, do you, yeah. do you imagine sticking, like staying at this age level for a little while? I want to stay at, at this level for a little while. I definitely mm-hmm. do. I, you know, who knows, but like, it's, it's sort of the three to five year plan, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, um, teaching like fifth and I'm going to be doing sixth grade next year. Um, and it's kind of getting really good at, at this, this level, this content, um, you know, and then from there, like kind of seeing what I want to do, uh, I, I would have had five years. I was in the class for over 15 years. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see at that point it's going to be, yeah, what do I want to stick in the classroom? I want to do something different, but, um, I think before I make that decision, I want to really, you know, get good and give the fifth graders at our school, uh, a, a solid experience, you know? So. so what are you teaching now what's what's the unit planning for you <laughs> um the the unit is the earth system but uh-huh. it's, a, it's a confusing title because the the the, um, the unit is mostly about the water cycle okay. and like water in general like the, the whole first chapter is all about like water shortages and like why do they happen what are some reasons why they happen how do we solve this water shortages what are some examples of ways we can solve these problems so it's been really great like talking about like okay we live in california like Y'all are pretty young when like, um, you know, some of these, like our, our biggest drought years in recent, like low-key recent years have happened. But, you know, you probably have memories of people like not watering their lawns in, the, in like the daytime and summer months. And maybe um, heard people talking about drought. and um, Did they? You know, uh, some of them, yeah, some of them definitely did. Yeah, they, they yeah. were aware that like California has droughts. Mm-hmm. And, but some of them, some of them also weren't as aware. Some of them, it was sort of a, a newer, um, kind of like knowledge piece for some of them as well um but anyways yeah this whole unit is about the water cycle and like uh learning um yeah learning about all 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 of the fun that comes with that so yeah it's it's been i i like it a lot because there's a lot of room for not just science but bringing in um you know uh social justice issues Mm -hmm. um like global justice issues mm-hmm. there's there's like so many you know with water there's like i mean there's so many things to talk about right <laughs> so yeah it's it's good what is your do you guys take like uh you mentioned you have like an explosion of questions and those moments can get really yeah like really exciting are you taking like intentionally uh, an inquiry-based or a project-based learning approach or how do you facilitate some of those uh, big, really inquisitive moments? That's a great question. Uh, I think 
I'm, I'm going through the Amplify curriculum. It's, uh-huh. it's, I'm, I'm sticking to it pretty closely just because I'm my first year doing it. And it's solid curriculum. Like it's, 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 you know, it's a lot of great um, co- topics, content, like activities that go with it and stuff. And it is pretty project-based, uh, inquiry-based. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think there, there's, uh, um, when, when, when questions like that come up, I, I like to try to roll. Like, I think that's something that I definitely uh-huh. have intentional about in the classroom. When, when I see that like explosion of excitement and curiosity happen, like I, you know, it's, it's hard because you obviously like, you can't spend all day, like just kind of doing, like going on this tangent, but like, I definitely try to make the tangent, like I try to roll with it as much as I possibly can and then connect it back. Um, and that's, you know, that's been, that's been really fun to do, you know? Um, and typically what I'll do as far as like, try to like kickstart that is, yeah, I mean, it's do, do a lot of just like, open and type questions just like to start class off um you know turn and share thinking uh, tur- turn like th- think fair shares and and just kind of get the conversation started and you usually like the, the questions will happen after i just mentioned like something like that i don't even think is going to cause like right. any kind of questions like it's it's crazy or like as soon as i'm going to say something totally random and it's like one of those like things where like i right, like i'd rather even say that like let's raise, raise our hands but like it starts a conversation like all right let's roll with it you know so mm-hmm. there's, you know, opportunities there too. Um, often, I think more often than not, those kind of conversations, like the, the really like kind of excitement, uh, student-led curiosity happens when a student literally just makes a comment about something that, you know, might or may or may not be related to the lesson, but like, you know what, we're going to, we're going to connect it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's interesting. random, man. They said those random stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's really interesting to think about, right? Because I feel like, there is okay on a given day i'm ima- i'm imagining right like you're in the moment and this this question is happening where like the kids get like really excited about a question and yeah. they're asking you like random where do black holes come from or, exactly like, What's a black right? Hole? right exactly right that, that, that's what it pops up and i think a difficult decision to make and and one like some like a classroom tension that I feel like probably a lot of teachers experience right how do you make the decision to lean into that in the moment if you feel like oh well but this is my exit ticket for the day and this is where I am in the unit assessment right like if you teachers can recognize and I think that's like with a complex part of the complexity of being a teacher like it's if you, not an easy question to answer. <laughs> right, like if you are recognizing that kids are like getting really excited about something and mm-hmm. are trying to and like want to take it in a new direction that maybe you didn't plan or maybe through like really rigorous unit planning, like you're designing for some of these questions to come up, right? But it's like there's often a tension between that. And I have a little story that I could share too, but how do you approach that have you had those moments where you're like oh yeah okay can you think of one and how did you like approach it for sure oh well the black the black hole like question is a good example and like because like the the curriculum does not mention black holes like at all right. you know and i think for for me like you always want the kids to be excited about your subject like mm-hmm. that for me that's that's sort of the bottom line like and 
if I can get them excited about my subject through a lab that connects to our content, like that's that's great. That's that's almost the ideal scenario, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that that's you know, oftentimes what I'm going for through some kind of project-based like learning activity. Um, but if like it's sort of like as a teacher, you you learn that um, sort of like a sixth sense of the like understanding the context of that day and that situation and that time, and you just you have to. It's one of those like like million other sixth senses you develop as a teacher. And I, I, some days, like it might not, it might not be possible, right? Mm -hmm. so, but like, if if it, if it were a situation where it wasn't possible, like if a student like, where does black holes come from? This like, I really want to know. Like, oh, oh, it's be like, yeah, like what's what is a black hole? You know, like is the Big Bang theory real? Like, there's always like you know, like sort of right. like uh, spiraling, like snowballing effect of questions. And and if we can't do it, like because maybe there's maybe there's just a test we have to take, or maybe uh, maybe we just can't do it because like I really got to get through this lesson. I'm like, all right, look, let's let's. I love the questions. Let's pause on that. Let's finish the lesson first, come back to it. Or maybe I'll think of like, like sometimes like all oh, these questions, I've seen like YouTube videos and stuff like that. And so like, I can easily pull one up at the end of the lesson if we finish early and like, we can use that as like a, a kind of Kickstarter to like talk about one of those questions. Um, that, that's how I'd approach it if, uh, if, if I'm not able to talk about it in the moment, but I definitely don't ever want to stifle like uh -huh. that curiosity. It's always, if I can at least like give them a taste of, of that, like, whatever they're trying to ask, you know, uh, if I get, get like a taste of that discussion um, or a chance to just get all the questioning out, then I want to give them that chance. Um, and mm -hmm. I, I definitely strive for that when these moments come out, just because like, yeah, like I said, like it's, if they're not excited about your class or they, they don't have some sort of a reason to be excited, like then, you know, then the, the content, you, you can forget about them ever, ever like caring about the content, you know? Right. So that, that's why I definitely lean into those more often than not. Of course, yeah. You know, like I said, sometimes it's not possible, but definitely yeah. try to make it happen. What's your story? I got, I want to hear your story. <laughs> My story is okay. I was in I was in your uh, stomping. I was in tenth grade general chemistry, and oh I, word, maybe I maybe I you were in you. high school. This, this I was in high student. school. This is me as a student. Okay, and we were. I forget. I forget a lot. I, I of course it was a long time ago, so I forget yeah, like course. a lot yeah, of the context yeah, yeah. of the lesson. We were talking. We were talking generally just like about how different molecules bind to each other, and I've never yeah. forgotten the story, right? So you have you have I don't know. What are some molecules that hydrogen would easily bond to? Right, oxygen. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And oxygen, carbon, nitrogen. <laughs> sure. Right. And pretty common. We're talking about our no, no no this this is it. We're talking about the ways. Okay, the image that I have in mind is a cube, right? And I don't yeah. know. I'm sure not all molecules are cubes, but I have this image of of a cube, right? And it was like multiple cubes attaching to each other. And the idea was, um, this was sort of how one element could continue binding to itself. So you're like stacking multiple of these cubes on each other and the element okay. grows does that make sense sure. what type yeah what, what would that be yeah well so an element is gonna be one one type of atom so like right. an element like copper mm -hmm. so copper metal is formed by copper atoms just like yeah stacking i'm like kind of just connecting yeah. into a giant piece of copper that you can hold in your hand right like billions exactly. and billions of copper atoms yes, exactly that's that's uh, that's exactly what that's i yeah. think that's kind of so my prof my chemistry teacher was t telling us about like 
okay, the, the atoms will act in a certain way for the elements to bind to each other. Yes. And that is kind of what keeps them, that's kind of like what holds it together to create the atom. And in my mind, I was thinking like, okay, well, that makes sense. Like the way the properties of the atom itself interact with each other to build the element. But like at some point, if I'm holding the penny, the penny stops, like there is no more penny. And so I raised my, I raised my hand and I asked her like, how, basically I asked the question, like, how, what's going on at the surface when those atoms are not binding with each other and there's it's only air like what's happening on the surface because you're telling me that like the atoms are wanting to bind to each other and i was basically like do they behave differently is there a certain thing that happens Mm -hmm. on on the surface of elements on the surface of like pure elements yeah great question and she got like so excited and she was like she was like, that's such a good question. Like there's, it's like, there's this whole, there's this like whole theory of, and like this whole field of science that's dedicated to like studying like elemental surfaces and like, and she didn't, and then she just like moved on and she like didn't <laughs> tell me. And I was oh. like, well, great. Like, do I have to like go and become a chemist? Like what happens yeah on the atoms on the outside of a penny that aren't binding with the copper anymore like what you didn't answer my question and I just sort of remember that because I just I felt disappointed right I was like why do we okay why do we have to like move on like how come you couldn't just stop and because I hear you like my other classmates were like oh yeah like what about that and (laughs) She just was like, oh, that's such a good question. Like she got all excited about it and then she just kind of moved on. I have some thoughts on that. I think, well, unless, I don't mean to cut you off. It's just, yeah. she was a good teacher. I, she, I'm not trying to take anything away from her. I was a very good teacher. Yeah. It's, it, it was this moment where I was like, I've always come back to that moment because A, it's a personal experience for me. It's B, it's a very inquiry driven. And as a teacher, I'm trying to like yeah. always foster that, right? And it was this, it's this personal story that I have where it's like, I was like really curious and engaged in the lesson and thinking critically about it. And I had, I asked this type of question that could only come if you're actually thinking about the lesson in a real way, which is what, of course, what all the students would do. And I asked the question and then it just kind of went nowhere. And the teacher (laughs) moved on because I don't know, maybe she felt like, it wasn't important or whatever, but it just kind of, I just, I always remember just like never getting an answer to that question. <laughs> and yeah, yeah and yeah. also just feeling like she got excited about it, but she also felt like that excitement wasn't important. So yeah, that's, sure? story. that's, that's tricky. So my thoughts on this are, I love that she got excited about it. I think that her excitement based on, I mean, I don't know. It sounds like her excitement was very genuine. And I know there's moments in my experience where a student will ask a question where I think it's a great question. An example, a student asked a question the other day or made a comment. It was more of a question, I think. He said, Mr. P, so if oil and water repel each other, couldn't you just cover your shoes in oil 
and walk on water? <laughs> like, like, it's a great question. And yeah. I was like, honestly, Matthew, that's a great question. And, but I didn't really go much more into it be, because I think it's, and this is partly maybe a science teacher thing. Maybe it's all teacher thing. I think it's, I think it's something that could happen if you're an expert in your field. It's the challenge that comes from knowing so much about a topic, but then the time constraint of a class period. Uh, Dogs barking. It, it, oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> so this, I think this, this can be, a, this can happen. I think if, with anybody who's an expert in their field, you're, you're coming up against like, there's all of this knowledge that you have that you could go into for this one student, potentially more, of course, like you said, uh -huh. like your friends may have been interested in the question as well. Kind of got to gauge the room and read the room for that. Um, but you, 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 it's like the, the, the challenge of timing, right? You're constrained with the class period timing and like constrained with all of these things you need to get through, right? And of course, like I, I, I always try to like, like I said, I like to ride the ride the wave of of the uh, of the the tangent if I can and bring it back. But sometimes I don't necessarily I don't necessarily see a path to ride that wave in the amount of time <laughs> that we have. And for me, as a, like some, coming from a science teacher's perspective, like I, I don't want to give you like false information um, or simplify it to a point where what I say might mislead you into not understanding what's really happening. I know that's happened too. Like in this in this case, like to answer your question, like the reason, like what happens on the edge, like there's air molecules, oxygen, and nitrogen, like bouncing right. off the surface of the penny, right? And like like there will slowly be a reaction between like the oxygen and like the penny surface, right? That's oxidation slowly, but surely there's going to be some kind of reaction that happens there. Um, but it, it just doesn't happen like very quickly. And I don't know, there's all these, but like, what does that mean? Like, then there's more questions, right? Like, what is, what is oxidation? Like, what is, what is sure. that reacting? Like, and so like, I think there may have been a, I think what your example highlights is, is the challenge that comes right. from like right. a spontaneous question. Like, do you roll with it? Like, how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go? Like, uh, maybe she could have simplified it and said like, oh, well, you know, there's, there's just like, there's just kind of like the surface of the, the atoms are there on the surface and the air molecules bounce off. Mm -hmm. Like she could have said that and maybe that would have satisfied you. And like, but then again, that's not the whole story. She might've maybe that thought went in her head and was like, I could say that, but that's not the whole story. Like I want them to know the whole story. And like, right. maybe she meant to come back to it later. Never did. I don't know. So this leads me to like, all right, for me, something that I think would be good for fifth graders, especially like, I, you know, I think this is like something I learned in like the first year of teach for America, like mm -hmm. the parking lot or like some system where like kids can like ask a question, you know, like right. in class, like put on a post-it and like right on the board. I probably do something more. Um, we, we have clever. There's got, there, there's ways you can like send messages on clever. And like, uh, I might do say, do something like that. Like, Oh, you have, a, you have a question. Like I can't answer in class. Like put it on, put it on this Google like doc or, or whatever through clever. So I can come back to it later on um just because i, I do want to you know give students the space to ask those questions even when it's not appropriate or when it's not the best time um so for my right. own practice that's something i think i'm going to try and, and see if i can implement um and, and at the same time it's it's important i think as a teacher to, to tr always try to roll with the tangent when you can like if yeah. you're able to do it i think not doing so if you're able to is just gonna hinder your students enthusiasm and Mm -hmm. Just make them not as interested in what you're talking about. So, right, what the subject's all about. Well, I, I Those mean, are my thoughts. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's 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 a good. I I like that we've arrived here because I think this is a tension that a lot of teachers feel, and I think like, you know, 
the direct answer to your student's question about walking on water is you can say, well, there's a bunch of different reasons why oil does not have the property to stick to your shoes, right? So like oil would fall off the shoes. That's why, that's one reason why you can't walk on water. And two, even if you could find a way to get the water, to get the oil to stick to your shoes, it still would not have enough gravitational uh, resistance, like the gravity, you would fall through the water, right? And I think so, I said something like the the pressure of your like weight would would just be too much; it would overpower. I think I said something along those lines. Um, yeah, but like would, I could have got more in depth. You know what I mean? It's like right, like where could how far do I go with that? Because like right. I get excited about that question. It's like a fun question to think about. Like okay, but like how could you walk on water? Like you know? exactly. No, it's a totally fun question to think about. Yeah, and uh, and I think that's that's it's helping me to think about like how do I design for and create create the space in the class for students to express these questions and ask those questions how are you designing that in a way where you can really lean into it in the moment um or even in the best case scenario you expect these questions and you want them and you've planned for them to ask these really uh, really cool questions so oh yeah um Good stuff, man. Brandon, yeah. excellent to chat with you, man. I'm glad your year's going well. Uh, your Thanks. fifth graders are lucky to have you. So hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully we can connect a couple more times this school year to check in. Yes, yes. Oh, we will. It's going to happen.